Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to Psalm 18, the 18th Psalm. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. We'll read these verses responsively. So that means I'll read the first verse. We'll read the second verse together. And so on. Psalm 18 and verse 1. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 18, verse 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compass me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compass me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of His temple, and my cry came before Him, even unto His ears. I want you to look back. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 again. It says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Now notice he says, God is his strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength. There it is again. In whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. So David said, the Lord is his strength. He loves him. And we want to look at this in all the different aspects of walking with God and trusting God. But we really want to focus in on that last part. He, it says, he is my high tower, my high tower. This is very important about safety and protection in our life. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless the message. We ask that you would uh, fill us and flow through us, that you would make us a vessel meet for thy use, that you would wash us in your blood, make us pure and clean to preach and hear the word, that it would not return void, we know, and we're just a voice crying in the wilderness, but we realize that thy strength is made perfect in our weakness, and thy grace is always sufficient. We come now in the time of need for help to preach and hear the word, and may we learn from David's life the psalmist, and may we understand what he went through to some degree, and may we also put into practice these principles, and may we be able to testify the years of the right hand of the Most High to say, my high tower, help us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. David wrote this psalm right after he was delivered from Saul. I remind you that David was falsely accused. He was hated without a cause for no reason. He had a contract put on his life 
King Saul tried to assassinate himself a couple times. They were in the dining hall. He took his long lance, his javelin. He threw it at David and tried to pierce his heart. By the providence and sovereignty of God, he missed both times. But David then had to flee for his life. His own wife turned on him. It must have been hard for us to even relate to what he went through. The only people that liked him was the people that were in debt or in distress. And uh, some of you can relate to that. <laughs> That's the only people that, that would follow him. And uh, he had to live in the desert, had no roof over his head, not much food to eat, always running for his life, looking, uh, was there an assassin? Is there an army coming? And, uh, but all through this, he said, I will not touch God's anointed, do my prophets no harm. He never retaliated. He never sought revenge. He turned it over to the Lord and in God's timing and in his way. Sad to say for Saul, he's killed by the Philistines, ends up committing suicide. His head is cut off and taken to the temple of uh, Dagon, the, the false god of the Philistines. But now David is on the throne. David has the authority and given what is rightfully belonging to him, he just had to wait on the timing. Before that happened, though, the suffering was uh, indescribable. Now, all through this, he testifies. He's trusting God. He will not take matters into his own hands. Once God delivers him, he tells us in this psalm of uh, salvation and victory, he says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Basically, he's saying, God is my all in all, not part, not some, not a big percentage of his life. He is all in all my strength. And he's saying it's all or nothing for me. Not one part of my life do I trust God. Not in one need of my life do I trust God. It's not segmented. He's not compartmentalizing this walk with God and relationship with God. He said, I will love thee. And he says, thou art my strength. And what I have found is most Christians who love God, to some degree, we, they're guilty of limiting their trust in God or walk with God, faith in God, to some area or some areas of their walk with God. They cannot turn it all over to Him. In some way, it's incomplete. In some way, they cannot say, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. I've seen this through the years. 
and I've been involved in this over 40 years. Some people can trust God with the past. They can't trust God with the future. Some people can trust God with the future, but they can't trust God for the here and now. Some people can trust God for their money. How are they going to make money? Some people can't trust God for their health. There's some, something's wrong in their life. They can trust God to protect them, but they can't trust God to provide for them. Somehow they can trust God for their job, but I see their family fall apart. I see this happen all the time. I, I see them trust God with uh, relationships and friendships, but in their own personal emotional state and mental well-being, they are an emotional wreck. They are stricken with fear, tormented by anger, have no peace in their heart, but yet they'll go to their cousin and say, things are going well. Now, you just see this all the time. Very few people can say, I will love thee, oh, my strength. And when we look at what it says in verse 3, all the different aspects of this power of God in our life, walk with God, relationship with God. What does it mean to truly love Him? So many people are selfish. They have what I call jailhouse religion. You know, I'll come to God when it's really rough, but when things get a little better, they don't need God anymore. We always use the illustration that they think God's their spare tire in the trunk in case they ever get a flat. He's there. He's your um, insurance policy if you ever need to make a claim. Very few people like David can say, I will love thee, my strength. And when you study this word strength, it is complete in every area and need of our life. My own walk with God, my own health, my own physical, mental well-being, my emotional state, my finances. How am I going to make money? How am I going to manage my money in my relationships uh, with a, a woman or a man? And it's not your your uh, what is it? Insignificant other. There we go. Can't say that word. No, it's either man or woman, or hopefully it's not a it. Uh, you have a relationship, and then your job. How do you get along with people on the job? And then your family. You know, you have your close family, your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, your cousins, so forth. What about your extended family? And, and then you have your church life, and just in the community of uh, being a citizen very few people can say, God is my strength in every one of these areas, in every part of my life. So this is a complete walk with God, 100%. A complete trust in God, 100%. Let's look at what David said. And I'm just going to give you the overview of this, but 
We need to see how this applies. Look at verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 2. First of all, the Lord is my rock. My rock. This word means the, the foundation of his life. Everything he's ever built, he builds on God. And it also means the provision of God, because you remember there was a rock that followed Israel through the wilderness, and that rock was Christ, and out of that rock gushed living water. Very few people can say, I'm building everything I have on Christ. Very few people can say, I'm trusting God to take care of me. His way, in His timing, He is my rock. It also means your protection because, remember, when God walked by Moses, He hid him in the hole of the rock and covered him with His hand. We sing that song all the time. I really love it. Can we say, I'm trusting God to provide for me, protect me, and He is the solid foundation I will build upon Him. Next, He said, He's my fortress. A fortress is something that you can run to and hide in, and it is strong, and you have defense from your enemies. He said, God's my fortress. Now, hopefully you're armed, locked, and ready. You almost have to be living this close to an unguarded border. But God protects us. He's our fortress. Too many people depend on other things. Now, we appreciate law enforcement. We appreciate all these other things. Who really protects us? It's the Lord. He will defend me. I trust in Him. When I go to sleep at night and I close these God-given eyeballs, you know, you ever think about it sleeping, you're just looking at the back of your eyeballs? I mean, your eyelids? You can turn around and look inside, though. That's a deep way to meditate. You turn around and look the other way. It'll give you a headache if you don't know how to do it. But um, when, you're, when you're asleep, you know, we, we, we have taken measures to protect ourselves. Some people have guard dogs. Some people have security systems. But who really protects you? The Lord. Amen. The Lord. I go to sleep. I trust in Him. What was that? Wake up. You, hear, you know, that saying, the, the kid sees the shadow, and the, it's a full moon, and the trees blow. What was that? Well, that was the wind blowing a tree. Oh, what was that? That was the cat jumping off the house again because that wicked mean cat ran him up there again. I, I know that sound. God is my fortress. Next, He's my deliverer. I want you to notice, this doesn't say you'll never have problems. It says you'll have problems, but God will deliver you out of the problem. He always shows up. He always defends and protects His own. And in the battles of life, who's going to set us free? He is my deliverer. How many people turn to the doctor, the pharmacist, the specialist, the masseuse, the chiropractor, 
the spa, the vacation uh, resort, the surgeon, the pill, the bottle, the smoke, the powder, the television. I'm finding something on here that'll make me feel better if it takes the rest of my life. You know, that's, they're really good at that. And they're very coordinated. They can go. Very, very skilled. Now, who's your deliverer? Who's your fortress? God. God. David said, he's my strength. He does all the, he's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. And then he, he, he adds it in. He's my God. How many, the Bible says covetousness is idolatry. How many people trust and worship other things and they don't admit it or they won't realize it? He is my creator. He is my sustainer. He is my provider. He is my protector. And He is my Savior by sending His Son to die on the cross for my sin. And He's my judge. And I have committed the keeping of my soul unto Him. He will raise me up. I love what Job said at the last day. Next, he reiterates this. He's my strength. So first he says, I love thee, O Lord, my strength. Then in the middle of all this that he trusts God for, he said, he's my strength. He is our sustenance and our power. He's my all in all. You know, the next time you're feeling a little weak and you need some energy, I know, I need to get me a little pick-me-up. You know, a little pick-me-up. Hey, why don't you get your bow down on your knees and ask God to give you some strength? You'd be surprised what God will do for you. A pill to wake me up, a pill to make, help me sleep. pill to get going, get that coffee pot started. We're all addicted to something. Strength. Next, buckler. The word buckler is a small shield for hand-to-hand -hand combat. So if you've ever seen ancient uh, or movies about old-time medieval warfare or documentaries, you have the huge shields to protect from the arrows. Loose. They shoot. Everybody hides. When it's hand-to-hand, -hand, and you know in the Old West they'd say, don't shoot till you see the white of their eyeballs. They didn't want to waste any bullets. And they'd say, he's just wasting his bullets. No, when you see the white of their eyeballs, if you miss from there, you're a pretty bad shot. Uh, in the Old West, old, uh, John Coffey Hayes, the Texas Ranger, he would tell the Rangers, he said, powder burn them. Wait to shoot the Comanches till the, they can feel the blast of the muzzle and they get burnt by the, the black powder. That's hand-to-hand -hand combat. The buckler was a little bitty shield. And when they're trying to cut your head off or stab you with the sword, this buckler was more mobile that the big shield wouldn't work. It's too heavy. It's too big. The buckler is for very close, very mobile hand-to-hand -hand combat. When, when you're fighting the devil, 
and you're, it's just getting serious. And the devil's in your life. And the devil came into your living room. And the devil tried to ruin and wreck your marriage. And the devil came in to try to steal and ruin and wreck your kids and grandkids. And the devil's coming in to try to ruin your career or your source of income. You're going to need a buckler. You're going to need a buckler. You need hand-to-hand -hand combat. Who's your buckler? David said, God is my buckler. He'll protect me. Next, horn. God is our horn. The horn represents three things. The anointing of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, because the olive oil was carried in a horn. It was poured onto the one being anointed. It, it's the wherewithal to get the job done, the power of God on your life. Next, the horns kept the sacrifice on the altar. So the burnt altar, when they would kill the animal, and, or they would, it was symbolic, it kept the sacrifice on the altar. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And it also represented strength because the bull or the ram's horn, it's all in Daniel and the Revelation, horns are used for governments, kings, authority, but it's power in your life uh, to fight and to win. David said, God is my horn. I, I'm, I have a complete trust. He does all these things for me. What is he? He's our rock. He is our fortress. He's our deliverer. He's our God. He's our strength, our buckler, our horn. And then lastly, what we want to really look at, he said, he's my high tower. If you've ever looked at ancient uh, walled castles and medieval structures, fortifications, there is always something called the citadel. And the citadel basically is just a really high tower that is far above the walls of the city. Sometimes it's square, rectangle. Sometimes it's circular, uh, like a, a turret, they, you know, circular. And in, the, in this high tower, there was a watchman. And that watchman was on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. And his job was to look for oncoming danger of invading armies. Very seldom, if ever, did an invading army get close before they were made aware. And there's a curse. I think it's in Ezekiel 33 on any watchman in the watchtower that does not blow the sound of the trumpet to warn the city, we're being invaded. Isn't it weird? We're being invaded right now as a nation. Some of you need to realize we're being invaded. You better know what's going on. A literal invasion is taking place before our very eyes. How much are new cell phones? You get a, a, a good one, the, the best Apple, it's a lot of money, isn't it? You know, they come across, they get a free cell phone, and 
good accommodations in a fancy hotel. Stuff's going on is unbelievable. It's an invasion. What are we supposed to do? Sound the warning. Sound the warning. Most people, you know why they have little strength? Is because they're, they can't say that God is all these things. Now, they might say, God's my rock. Can they say He's their buckler? They might say, God is my deliverer. Can they say, God is their horn? They might say, God is their fortress. Can they say that He's also their high tower? God wants us to trust Him for every need in our life and to solve every problem in our life. God wants to get involved in all of our life. I've seen it through the years. I'll let God into this, but I'm not letting Him into that. You know, I welcome God into this part of my life. I don't want God in that part of my life. And if you want to be strong, you have to say like David, the psalmist, when he was delivered from wicked King Saul, who was a type of the Antichrist, he tried to kill David, a man after God's own heart. We fail by letting God be God in every area. We fail to give God complete control. We fail to let God meet every need in our life, big or small. And when we start studying this, it goes all the way down. I don't want you to read it now. You ought to read this whole chapter, Psalm 18 later, of what David describes of what he went through, what God delivered him from. And it's all about when he, when he concludes this, all of that's meaningless if you don't have a high tower. Because if you don't know the enemy is there, how are you going to protect yourself? It is the awareness by perspective. What is the perspective of the high tower? It's an aerial view. They can see because they're higher. They can see things out there. They can see things down below on the wall. Next time, if you, if you go to San Antonio and you love history, go to the missions. And I, I love it. I go at least once a year. Maybe. I, I love history. I think it's San Juan. I may be wrong on the name. But when you're walking up to the front gate, to the right, there's a turret. Now, it's not exactly a high tower, but it's round. And what they would do is they would put shooting ports right against the wall. Because if the Indians or the, the, who, whatever the, the enemy was, once they're against the wall, you can't see them. They would make a shooting port right down the wall at a right angle. They also had them all the way around. Then it was two-story. They could climb up. They could see things that people on ground level could not see. We need an aerial view. You know what that means? This book right here. Where is God? He's in heaven. 
God sees things that I cannot see. He knows things that we cannot know. This book is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. We need to let God be the high tower. Do you realize we're in the last days? Do you realize the rapture could happen at any second? Do you realize that we are living in perilous times? Do you realize the spirit of the Antichrist is working in the world, in governments? I think the uh, World Economic Forum is meeting, or did it meet, or it's meeting. You know what they're saying is, you'll own nothing and be happy. This is their goal. Would you, would you be happy if you own nothing? That's what they want to do to you. Wake up. Jesus is coming. He's our high tower. I want us to think about this just for a minute. Whenever an invading army would come, it's only two ways. They would attack or they would besiege. Many drawn-out battles happened because they could not penetrate the wall, and they would just camp around the city. They'd cut off their food supply. They'd cut off their water supply. They would bring in what is called siege engines and engines of war that could were a catapult on a lever system with weights, and they could hurl huge stones into the wall to try to break down the wall so that the, the, the army could get in. We're supposed to see the army far off far up. Nobody should be surprised if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible on what's going on in the world. There's no shock. There's nothing new under the sun. And, and God requires that which is past. The Bible said God hath put in the heart of worldly men that they would not know the work that God maketh from the beginning to end. And it is a short work that God is doing. One day is with the Lord a thousand years. A thousand years are as a day. We need a high tower. Now, hopefully we have some good friends, some good spiritual leaders to help us. It's our job to climb that tower, walk with God, know God, Believe the Bible, know the prophecy, have spiritual discernment to be to realize the high tower, to see what the world does not see, to know what the world does not know. Who is our high tower? God. I mentioned this a while back, but. Did you know already, I think it's either Norway or the Netherlands, could be Denmark, it's one of those Viking countries, they are already required to have a, a chip in their right forehand or they can't get to work. This is the mark of the beast. They go to work, they have to touch their hand to this reader, the door opens, they go in. Their computer will not turn on until they touch that mark to whatever that reader is. 
when I was young, I thought, yeah, it's coming, but I didn't think it was coming this soon. It's coming. The mark of the beast. I'll tell you another weird thing. I don't know if this is true. This is just a good sermon illustration. I think it's true, though. Can't be dogmatic. It came out this week that EV, electric vehicles, which are going to save the, the carbon footprint and save the environment while China and India is on coal just pumping that soot uh, all into the atmosphere. It came out, it was proven that they're not efficient and they do more damage to the environment to make the battery than what they claim they're saving the environment. But here's the weird thing. They had this formula that they were getting a subsidy from the federal government on they convert somehow battery life to uh, fossil fuels, uh, miles per gallon. I don't know how it all worked. But they found out they had twisted the numbers. They don't get what they claim to. And when they put it in the algorithm, guess what the number was? Can't make this stuff up. 666. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And the guy talking about it, he's not even a Christian. He goes, I can't. He goes, 666, that's that number. And we are there. We're there. But you know what most people are doing? They're down there at ground level looking for the next Yuck Donald's. They don't see what's really happening. They can't understand what God sees, and it's only in this book right here. And He is our high tower. You know, you can know the enemy. You can see the enemy. You can see them coming. You can prepare for the enemy. This is what the Bible calls prudence and discretion. You can see the future before it happens. And it's not a prognostication. It's not some type of magic. It's Bible truth of prophecy that it tells what will already happen. And all you have to do is let God be your high tower. You know what we ought to do every day? You know what you're really doing when you get on your knees? It's a paradox. You're going up, right? You bow before God and humble yourself in prayer. You lower yourself. But what does the Bible say? We're coming boldly to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. You're, and you're going up by going down. That's why the Bible said God resists the proud who go up. And He will judge and humble them. But if you humble yourself, what does it say? He'll lift us up. God is our high tower. You know this 5G that everybody thinks is so great because you can upload fast and download your videos in 4K? Yeah, it's pretty good to look at and it's pretty convenient. If we, this is all a part of the plan. 
part of the plan. They want you to be driving down the highway and look over and there's a car passing you and there's nobody driving. And they already have it uh, and it's already failing. These things are going on. Why do you think the Houthis are attacking Tesla shipping in the Red Sea? I just threw that one out there. And Tesla's having to stop a lot of European production and also things that go to China. Why are we attacking Houthis who are attacking Tesla? Hmm. Huh. God is our high tower. So I want to reiterate this. We'll be through. David said, God just saved my life. I have people trying to kill me. I've been poor and lonely and cold and wretched, living in a cave. The only people that liked me were the criminals and the ones in debt. God delivered me. And He said, I will love thee, O my Lord. And He said, Thou art my strength. This is complete. Not segmented, not compartmentalized, not a percentage. He's my rock. He's my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my buckler, my horn, and my high tower. Look how idolatrous the world is and blasphemous. That guy that calls himself the rock you should have nothing to do with that guy. That Polynesian wrestler that's a sellout, that they made a famous rich actor, muscle-bound oaf. You know how many people say, that's my rock? Why did they call it rock and roll? The wicked music. Why is one of the most wicked bands that ever lived called the Rolling Stones? Why is the other most wicked band, the Mopheads from England, called the Bugs, the Beatles? Why is it that their favorite song and famous was the Yellow Submarine about an LSD trip? And John Lennon said he's more popular than Jesus Christ. Yeah, he caught a bullet. And we wish evil on no man. He's my rock. Amen. He's my rock. And the rock cut out without hands in Daniel 2 is going to come in and destroy the kingdoms of the world. He is my high fortress. Aren't you glad you can know what's happening? Aren't you excited there's a church that preaches the Bible like it is to tell you like it really is so you won't be tricked or deceived? It's right there before us. He is my high tower. All right, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Close